hun, it's me, Danielle. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hon. Welcome to this episode of From Huns to Humans, brought to you by ThriveMind. Whether you're at a crossroads with your career, wanting to scale your side hustle, or want to start a new business, there are places down the road to change where you might feel stuck and need the experienced help of someone who has been there. Enter ThriveMind. ThriveMind is both a boutique marketing company for your small business, and most importantly, a coach and advocate to help you get your small business off the ground effectively and sustainably. Allie Heatherly, former Avon Hun and anti-MLM advocate, is the principal of ThriveMind and has 10 years of experience in business operations and can give you the tools to reach your goals. Visit thrivemindllc.com today to schedule your free no-commitment call to help jumpstart your side hustle business or career change today. That's thrivemindllc.com to make the big change today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of From Huns to Humans. I am really excited today. Uh, I am here with Maddie. She was in It Works for uh, about seven months and lost, uh, was it $1,100? Yeah, almost 1200 I think it was like $1,170 when I calculated it at the end. Yeah, so we're going to talk about your story, and also um, I really would like to talk about uh, the similarities between MLMs and cults and sororities and cults. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, do you want to tell us like what happened? Yeah. How did you get in? my story. So I joined in, I believe it was the end of December. It was right after Christmas. They tend to do like huge promotionals during Christmas. So they had been running the $39 promotional. And one of my sorority sisters who has already graduated was in it works. And so I had messaged her about it and she went ahead and enrolled me. I didn't really know anything about MLMs. I know that when I was a kid, I actually went to a Norwex party, but until I kind of found the anti-MLM community, I didn't know what that was. And my mom's also really into Pampered Chef. So like, I had no idea that any of this was really the way it was. Um, But when I left my sorority, I actually went alum in December of 2020. So I had just went alum because I took a semester off from school, like probably actually a semester and a whole summer because I normally take summer classes. But I took a whole semester off from school and they just went ahead and made me alum. And, you know, I had had some issues in the sorority. There was some bullying and 
a lot of other stuff that I just really wasn't about it anymore. And so I went ahead and left school and I also went ahead and saw, saw a therapist for, I think almost four months every week. So it was, it was a lot for me, but definitely something where I felt like I was in like a really rough spot when I got recruited. And I feel like a lot of people who got recruited are also in that same rough spot. And it was definitely something where I felt like it was an okay thing to do, I guess, because this other sorority alum had only been in for a little while too. And, you know, she became a teacher and she was only in the sorority for a year, but she said she had similar experiences too. So like we kind of related on our sorority experience and she didn't really hang out with anybody from the sorority anymore either. And so I thought it was neat that it was like someone else who was an outcast in the sorority per se. Um, but she recruited me and after about seven months, I, she wasn't really pushy at all. We didn't really have much communication. I think part of that was because I was a sorority sister. So she wasn't very pushy at all or anything. And I, you know, I tried a few of like her things. She wanted me to like message people with her in a group towards the end. And I was like, eh, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? And that's when I kind of was like, okay, this seems a little bit shady. Like why, why would I want to include you in like a group with another message? And it was just, it was a little bit strange because it was already, I had already cold messaged these people. They'd already said no. And she was like, oh, well put me in a group with them. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And that was probably Six months in, that was probably mid-June, I'd say. I left during early July, um, but she was pretty nice about me leaving, but I went ahead and I just like sent her a text message, but then I blocked her immediately because I was worried about it. So I have no idea what she would have said, but like she still has my social medias and she still follows me, but it's, it's just very strange because she was a sorority sister. And so for me, it was definitely something where I felt like um, that was like the last sorority person that was like a good person, I guess. You know, when I was in the MLM, I really thought she was like on my side. And same with like being in the sorority. I thought those girls were on my side, but I thought since she was an alum, maybe it was different. But like it works looked very similar to a sorority to me when I saw their pictures together on these retreats and stuff. Cause I live in Texas and like a lot of the big teams live in Texas and I saw the pictures on their retreats and it looked like a sorority retreat. And it was something where I was like, Oh, so they like have a sisterhood, but you don't have to be a part of a sorority. So I, I really was drawn in by the sisterhood at the time, especially since I didn't really talk to anybody in my school or high school anymore, even. Yeah, that like, I think that's a huge thing that a lot of people join uh, multi-level marketing for is for the community. And I can see why like, you know, you were having some like feelings about the sorority, but you're like, oh, like this might be another way for me to have community and maybe it won't be as bad. And like, I mean, I would definitely say that there isn't really like hazing that I've seen. No, no. Um. In multi-level marketing. But it totally portrays the fake lifestyle the same way the sorority did on social media. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, the sisterhood is promoted very similarly and it works like it is in my sorority. Yeah. It was was kind of crazy. 
Yeah. So I could see like, you could be like, oh, like, <laughs> like this is going to be the same, but better. And I'll make right. money. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, this is going to be so cool. I can meet people who are in the state, you know what I mean? And this girl's already a part of the sorority I was in. And, you know, we obviously have some similar experiences and it, you know, it was something where within that time I was just doing my monthly auto shipments and I was messaging like 300 people a day and I still couldn't get like any results, no product sales. I sold one product and it was actually to one of my boyfriend's friends and that was it. And he was the only person I could really like actually get to sign up on it works website. And I, you know, appreciate it. You know what I mean? He was obviously trying to be a nice guy, right. but it was still something where I don't think I realized what it like came across as. And it was, it was a little bit weird, but I just, you know, she told me to make this fifties list when I joined that I had to like find like, uh, or like go through my contacts or my Facebook friends or my Instagram friends and like find people who would be most likely to be interested in the business mm -hmm. and write 50 names. And like, I couldn't come up with like 25. Right. Like I tried and tried and tried. And I just, I don't know people like that. And I'm not like social like that either. And I guess in the sorority, it kind of was like that too, where like a lot of people were more social and wanted to like go out and things like that. And I guess that wasn't, you know, for me in the sorority. And so I feel like that kind of reflected into my it works experience too because I'm not a good talking person. And I feel like you do have to be a salesperson to do it works. Well, yeah, I mean- if it was done, like if the business model wasn't what it was, it should be about selling. Yes. And yes. in multi-level marketing, it's about selling the opportunity. So the opportunity itself. Yeah, exactly. Um, I saw some of your TikToks about being in a sorority too. And it looks like you also had like a lot of fees that were associated with it. Yes, I did. So basically, I mean, I had tons of fees. So my dues per semester, our dues were pretty low because I go to UTSA. So like University of Texas has smaller branches in different cities. And those are fairly smaller sororities. So my dues were only $450 a semester, which like, I mean, some universities are charging two grand, three grand a semester for these girls to participate, wow. which is which is really crazy because you don't get much. But for me, I was paying about $450 a semester and we did two events during the year. One was a volleyball event and the other one was recruitment. And then we got like four t-shirts and that was it. So like- People were like, okay, where did, where does my 450 go? But it's just, you know, dues, national dues. There's all these different, you know, prices. It's very strange. Um, but with that, I also, if you missed a meeting, for instance, we had meeting on every Monday at seven. And basically, if you missed a meeting, you had to pay like a $50 fine if it was a business attire meeting and then a $25 fine if it was just a regular meeting. So I'm like that MLM hasn't adopted that. Yeah. That's crazy. So then you end up like having not only like the FOMO of missing the meetings. Yes. Which I'm sure they manipulated on you. But then also like you were saying in your TikToks that you were working, you were like trying to make some money mm -hmm. and then you're paying all of this money for missing the meetings. So I'm sure that you weren't even like equaling out. No, that's the problem. I actually ended up in debt. So I didn't pay off my dues until probably May of 2020. I left in December of 2019. Or no, May of 2021. I left in December of 2020. 
Um, but I, I had about $900 left in dues at that time. Cause I was in the sorority for five semesters Wow. or no, almost, almost five semesters, but they charged me for that fifth one. And even with like the meetings and stuff, like I tried paying it off and I was actively trying to pay it off, but I was still paying rent and things like that. And I moved back in with my parents and was finally able to, you know, get some money together to pay them off. But like they were sending me like warnings that I was, you know, going to get sued if I didn't pay these because it had been, you know, going on two years since I started acquiring dues. And so it was it was a lot of money. And, you know, I I was able to kind of get help and live with my parents for a little bit and kind of recoup that money. Luckily, that was kind of right when my lease ended at my college apartment. So I was able to like easily transition to just live in here and trying to put money towards the dues. But if I didn't have those dues, I could have probably just lived on my own. And it kind of sucked that I was having to put in so much time to working for the dues, especially because I wasn't in anymore. Yeah. And then right on top of that. So you, and I was in it works at the time. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. So that overlapped time. So you were yeah. also in a pyramid scheme that was taking all of your money. Oh yes. And all of the money that you spent on it works could have went to paying off your dues. Oh, dues, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's so frustrating. Um, what about what do you see in like um I I like to refer to it as kind of like the mean girl culture of MLM. So I'm curious if you saw any like similarities there. Um, I was never in a sorority or I didn't go to a college that had sororities or anything like that. So my knowledge is very small other than the fact that I know that they are uh, definitely very culty. Um, Yeah. I mean, um, I guess, yeah, there was definitely a little bit of uh, culty stuff. I know that when I got recruited, it was a little bit strange they, you know, they have like an initiation ceremony and they make you wear like these white dresses and they blindfold us. And it's a little bit strange. Like it's not, I wouldn't consider it hazing because nobody's getting injured. Like it's, it's very, they're gentle, you know what I mean? But you're still like sitting down in a room and like learning about the founders while being blindfolded. It's a little bit strange. Um, and we also had like at the end of business meetings, we had to, you know, form a circle and like sing together before we left. It was a little bit strange, but I don't know. I think I see with modern day cults with my sorority, I see the similarity really in the way they use their social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen like even sororities they are promoting a ton on TikTok right now. And like they make like whole recruitment videos and they show the sisterhood. And it's very similar to like the retreat videos that I see for It Works. They're almost exactly the same. Yeah. And so it's really interesting. And, and it's also very similar price wise to an MLM. I mean, you're paying at least a hundred dollars a month, if not more. Yeah. Well, actually, a bunch of things that you just said about the sorority actually fall into the bite model. Right. Um, have you have you like compared the two yeah, yet? I definitely looked at it a little bit. I know that one of the things that I looked at was the controlling hair and clothing. Uh, that one's interesting because I know we get like matching T-shirts and stuff, but even with not that, like for recruitment and things like that, we all had to wear like the same colors and have the same hairstyle. And like, they were very picky about shoes. So like one year we had to get platform sandals and they had to have the white straps. So the only ones that are like available are like the Steve Madden ones. And they're like $60 shoes. 
And so everybody was buying these shoes. And, you know, of course, no targets have them because everybody is buying these shoes. And so it was something where like you had to order the shoes online like two months in advance. And one year we had like these bridesmaid dress things that she was like, oh, I want this specific pink color for bridesmaid dresses and everybody has to order one. And it was just crazy to me because I was like, well, we already put in money for dues. Like, shouldn't the dues go to that instead? Like if the chapter is going to make a decision to enforce a dress code, then the dues should be going to that dress code. Like I understand the t-shirts, matching t-shirts, sure, because you guys pay for those with our dues, but they didn't pay for any of our recruitment outfits or anything like that. And it was a little bit strange because we all had to be matching in pretty much the exact same. Yeah, that's definitely like straight from the bite model behavioral behavior control. Um, And I would love to kind of just go through it. So information control, was there like any... um, like control over like what yeah, there is so I know that they they do monitor social media and that was something we had actually a standards chair for monitoring social media so all your social media you had to be followed by the standards chair it was like an anonymous looking account you know what I mean it would just a lot of times they'd use like the founder's name or something for an Instagram account but they would monitor like everything you post so if you were wearing something like a bikini or something and you posted it they'd want you to take it down if you posted anything like related to the sorority or even like political stuff they'd want you to take it down immediately so like it was very very interesting because there was no like uh freedom to post things I guess I don't know, like even with posting anti-MLM stuff, I wouldn't have felt confident posting anti-MLM things on my story while I was in the sorority, just because I, you know, it it would be too controversial per se, because a lot of their, their Instagrams and things like that are kind of fake, I guess, you know, they, they really have to follow a code, a strict rule code when it comes to sororities. Yeah. So then that brings us to thought control. So enforcing one's way of thinking and discouraging different opinions and critical thinking. Did you see any of that? Um, I guess a little bit when we had meetings, I know that in order to stand up and like say something at meetings, you had to say like, madam, may I address the president? And like, you had to ask for permission to like talk to them. And then when you did, like, it was something that like, I don't know, a lot of stuff in the sorority that people ask questions about, they just want to get answered. And so I do feel like, at least on their end, if there was anything controversial, for instance, we had one year, we had the PowerPoint that said that everybody had to curl their hair with like a curling iron for recruitment. And like a couple of girls were like, well, it's going to take me like four hours. And Hannah was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) yeah it was just it was just really really crazy because we we just had so many girls I mean it was almost 100 people yeah back when I was in fall because after COVID it definitely decreased a lot like we lost a lot of members because people were moving you know it's it's to be expected with something like that but I also feel like you know during the peak of the sorority there was just so many members that people people weren't even actively paying attention to the members. The exact weren't paying attention to the members because there were so many. Yeah. Um, and then the the last one is emotional control. So only 
tolerating positive emotions in relations to the like the organization and teaching the outsiders that outsiders are haters yeah I definitely saw that a bit for sure at least especially with me personally I know that I had some issues because I lived with sorority sisters for a while Mm -hmm. and we shared an apartment we shared a five bedroom and it was really really small but I you know shouldn't have been living with sorority sisters but I just signed the lease and I I lived with them and we didn't have any financial issues, but like these girls just wouldn't talk to me at all. And I think a big part of it was that, you know, at the beginning of the lease, one of the girls, she was 19 and I was 19 at the time too. And she was like, oh, do you want to like get fake IDs with me? We can get it cheaper if we get fake IDs together. And I didn't want to do it. And like none of them ever talked to me again because they were all going out to the bar together. And that was that. And so it was something where like those were sisters and those were like popular sorority sisters too. Like those were girls who were part of exec. And I was like, I don't really understand, I guess, because I was totally like left out of that. And I don't know if it wasn't because I, if it, if it was because I didn't portray the perfect sorority girl, I'm not sure. But I think I didn't really go to any of the other parties. They did have parties with frats and stuff and I was never there, but a lot of other girls would go. And so I do wonder if that was something where the girls who went were more, uh, more high up in the sorority. Yeah, because they're buying in more to the culture. Yeah, to the lifestyle and the culture. Yeah, and like that's exactly what we see in MLMs too. The more trainings you go to, the more you're pouring into your team, yeah. quote unquote, yeah. the more you're valued within the MLM community. And even though you're not like action, like some people might be ranking, but a lot of people aren't. Um, So even though you're not, might not be ranking, they'll still value you more. And maybe at that point, they'll be like, oh, like, do you want to do a training or do you want to do this to try to keep you roped in? Whereas it doesn't sound like the sorority really tried to keep you in at that point. They were just kind of like, we'll take your money. Yeah, yeah. I I would say, I mean, they tried to keep me in for a while. That's the thing is I did. I had a situation in a group chat Mm -hmm. where like, I felt like people like came at me like I sent something about being respectful, because someone had posted something on social media that was like, really mean on their server. They were like, fuck you, you know what I mean? And I was like, okay, you know, we shouldn't be using curse words on our story because it's not allowed as per the calm that we follow. And so I sent in the group chat, hey, let's just make sure we're all respectful. And like people came at me. And so I, you know, talked to my advisor and she was totally on my side with it. And we, you know, tried to file with Gamma Phi and everything. And we filed an incident report and I left that following semester and she actually dropped her advising position that semester too. And so I had emailed her about it, just seeing if there was any update. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I dropped my advising position. I don't think this is the right place for me anymore. And so I was like, oh, wow. You know, maybe that's an indication that I need to get out too. you know, and I mean, maybe I need to take a break from school and kind of distance myself from this because it was a little bit crazy. Like she thought I had been wronged and a bunch of other people thought I had been wronged and it was just very strange. Yeah. Um, so that like, I'm obviously like, if you don't want to go too much more into it, that's okay. But like, that sounds like the bullying from that chat got out of hand. Yeah, it definitely did. It was something where like, there was several girls in the chat who also were like, 
defending me in a way, you know, hey, she's just telling everybody to be disrespect or to be respectful on her story. She's just mentioning the cuss words in particular. We should try to avoid things that have, you know, fuck you and them and things like that. And you know, several people backed me up, but I just, I left the group chat within like 20 minutes of it happening. I left the group chat and I was like, yeah, Rania, my advisor's name was Rania. I was like, I don't want to participate in the group chat anymore. She was like, that's just fine. You do not need to be in the group chat, even though like they put us all in there in the beginning, but I was one of the only girls not in the group chat. So I, I guess I kind of made that choice like that summer to not be in the group chat. And then I went through the fall semester, wasn't in the group chat. And then I finally decided I needed to take a semester off. Yeah. Wow. I, I feel like that can just do so much damage. Like that, like outcasting that they're doing to you, like yeah. can do so much damage to your mental health, especially um, like in your college years, like you are really at the point where you're trying to find yourself, you're trying to like figure out who you are as a person. And then to have all of these people that are like telling you how to act and how to behave and what to think about and what to post about and how to dress, like, yes. And then the bullying on top of it is like just, yeah, that was like the second instance because we hadn't had any issues in the group chat, but my roommates were really rude to me. I mean, I I remember me and my boyfriend, we used to spend so much time at his apartment because we'd get back to my apartment and I'd pull in and I'd see that they were having a party like in our living room and they never told me about it. And I'd just be sitting in my car crying and I didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? Because it was something where they weren't really friends with me. I didn't know any of their, you know, fraternity friends. And it was just, I felt like I had been uninvited to my own apartment. And that was kind of the first thing. And as soon as I moved out of that apartment, I was like, okay, you know, I can kind of, you know, settle down a little bit and be away from the sorority. But even with being away from it, and even with COVID, it was still something that there was actively issues on social media and in the group chat too. So you couldn't just get away from it by not being around those people. Right. Yeah, that's like so encompassing and like just, I, I can't imagine like going through that. Cause I, like I told you, I, I wasn't in a sorority. I didn't go to a college that had sororities or fraternities at all. Um, but just like the pure dynamics of like living with people, your own age for that long can be so overwhelming. So that just sounds terrible. Yeah. And I, I would, I had a cat and I still have her, but I have a cat who's special needs and she's deaf. And she's got wobbly kitten syndrome. There's another like technical term for it, but I can't pronounce it. But she is very deaf and runs into things. And she also, whenever I'd leave the apartment, I couldn't let her out of my bedroom because I never knew if they were having people over. And she, you know, would, I'd close my bedroom door and she'd scream. She'd scream for me. And like, I think that's part of the reason why my roommates might've been a little bit upset that I was living there, even though there was other cats, like they were upset that my cat would be yelling all the time. And like, I totally understood it, but I was like, I I really can't control that guys. You know what I mean? And I was like, I'm very sorry, but like, that's why I try to keep her in my bedroom. And, you know, it was just a little bit like, it felt like the other roommate who had a cat, her cat got free roam of the apartment and my cat was just locked in her bedroom. It was so sad. 
And I was like, I don't know that, you know, it's because I'm just not social enough to like ask for her to come out during certain times, or maybe I'm just not confident enough to do it because of who my roommates are. Right. I didn't really trust them, but it was, it just felt very much not like I could live there. Like it didn't feel like I was living there while I had that lease. Yeah, no, that that sounds absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's just very, very strange because all those sisters got along really well. It, it was just me who didn't. Yeah. And like, uh, well, I mean, I think it just goes to show because you were like pushing against like, not like super pushing against anything because also you don't seem very confrontational. Um, <laughs> but like you were kind of like, it sounds like you were questioning some of the things like you had cognitive dis- dissonance mm-hmm. while being in the sorority and they must have sensed it on you and that yeah there was definitely some of that and I know that like when I went through big and little we have like a big and little type process um even my big she was actually graduating the semester that I joined so I didn't really get to know her very much but she was kind of like part of like the outcasts in the sorority per se like a lot of the girls who I was like paired with for big and little reveal were also in cybersecurity, which I was doing cybersecurity. So we were all, I guess, a little bit more like-minded. Yeah. And I don't know, even with that, like during recruitment, I did notice that like the group stuck together. Like I just sit with my big and, you know, her big, and then all the other groups would just sit together in different spots. It was very strange, but you didn't really talk to anybody except for like your actual family, I guess. Wow. Yeah. So like a lot of it was a little bit clicky like that. And so I feel like it works teams was kind of like that too, because like with different teams, especially I know that like my team, I, I don't know what, oh gosh, I don't remember exactly what the team name was, but it was, it was like a sector of boss tribe, the original boss tribe, but it was like a side sector. So someone else was running it. I don't know who our uh, main upline was. I don't remember her name, but we had like 70,000 people in our Facebook group, Mm -hmm. which was really, really crazy to me. But even with that, like it very much reminded me of like the sorority in that we, we all kind of like looked the same on our social medias. Everybody's social medias looked exactly the same and everybody was trying to promote a fake lifestyle. And it was just very, very odd. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds, it sounds so close and like so similar in so many ways. Um, I'm curious too, if like you felt like you saw any of like the love bombing or the swarming in the sorority that we see in MLM. Yeah, because it was definitely different before I came, became like an initiated member, Mm -hmm. like during the process of rush, like I was probably in the process of rush for about three months because they do initial rush, which was only like three days, but then you still spend time in the sorority before you get officially initiated usually. And so it was about three months. And during the three months that I wasn't initiated yet, they don't want you to leave. And so like, it was totally love bombing. That's during the time that we do big and little reveal. And every day you get like a gift basket full of like gamma Phi stuff, like any type of, you know, t-shirts, towels, 
pool noodles, like all types of stuff. Some people were getting huge baskets. Like it was super duper crazy. And then like, we had to make a basket for our big, which like, it was cute and like really cool. Cause you know, a lot of people don't have the sorority t-shirts or anything like that, but it was also something where it felt like it was a total push to like get you in sorority gear. And it did feel a little bit love bomby because right after big and little, it wasn't the same because once you were initiated, there wasn't really much to do with big and little unless you take a little. So I never took a little. And so it was just me. I was always just a little, I never got to be a big. And so for me, I just hung out with my big like once or twice. And then she moved away after college and that was that. So it's definitely something where it was a love bombing process during big and little to kind of keep you in during the initiation process. But then as soon as it's over, a lot of people don't even talk to their bigs. So, yeah, that's so interesting. And like from an outsider, yeah, from an outsider's perspective, like, you know, I feel like people that don't know anything about sororities like me, um, like I've always felt like big and littles was such a big part of it. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely like the biggest part of it. And once you're an active member, the only thing that's exciting is like taking a little. And if you don't get to do that, a lot of people don't get to do it because they don't get picked. The littles get to pick them. And so when I was rushing, there was only 10 people in my rush class. So obviously not everybody can be a big when there's only 10 girls coming in. Mm -hmm. So I understood it, but like I never got picked to be a big during like my four semesters. So you just don't get to be a big if you don't know anybody or, you know, somebody doesn't know you. So if you're not going to events with all the new recruits and stuff like that, they're not going to know you. And big and little, sometimes girls would fight over littles. Like if they both wanted the same little, the little would have to like vote between the two of them. And it kind of puts that, you know, new recruit in a weird place. I don't know. It just seems very, very strange. Yeah, that's does not sound like fun for anyone because I feel like that makes everyone feel uncomfortable. I think it's not fun for the active members. I think it's fun for the new recruits because when I was going through and I was a new recruit, I loved getting gift baskets. Yeah, It was cool. You know what I mean? And my, my big took me out. We went out to eat. It was, you know, awesome, but it was something where I feel like for her, I was like, man, she's about to graduate. You know what I mean? I was like, she's really busy right now. And, you know, the sorority, I I picked her and the sorority, you know, is making her do all this stuff during the week. And for what reason? You know what I mean? Like, it's fun for me. But for her, I I couldn't see personally. I I know I like making gift baskets and stuff, but like she probably spent like a thousand dollars on me that semester. Wow. Yeah, like I was very appreciative and everything, but like every big was doing that. And I was like, I just can't believe like people are spending this much for, you know, big and little. Do you feel like a lot of the people in the sorority were uh, well off? Like, do you feel like they just like had money to spend? Yeah, I think some of them did. I think some of them did probably like 50%. Because I knew, I definitely knew some girls who were like totally working their butts off and, you know, doing the same thing that I was trying to fit in five days of work during the week and, you know, two days of school. Mm-hmm. And so it was definitely something where I did see some people who were hardworking and putting in their own money towards dues. But I also, you know, I went to parents night and half of the parents at parents night were paying for their dues, yeah. which is crazy to me because my parents were like, hell no. 
You know what I mean? Like they were like, we are not paying a dime of that. And so I was like, that's what I figured when I joined the sorority is that no parent was going to be paying my dues. But like so many other parents are just totally into it because they were in a sorority or they were in a fraternity. And I just, it's it's really expensive. You know what I mean? On top of college. Right, right, exactly. Like it feels kind of like you're paying for friends just like you are at an MLM. Yes. And there's, you know, there's some sororities and fraternities that are more like educational based. I know there's a pre-med one at my school and they're both boys and girls. Like they have anybody can basically join as long as you're like on the path to pre-med and they have some other ones too. And those fraternities and sororities are totally different and they don't, you know, charge crazy dues or anything like that. Like those people might be paying 150 a semester, but they're not paying for like crazy events or giant flower bouquets for recruitment. Like it's definitely a lot more business and professional based as it should be, you know? Yeah. Wow. 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 (laughs) Um, All right. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Oh gosh. Um, no, not really. I mean, other than the fact that just with it works, I do feel like, I don't know if you're actively a part of an alumni association in a sorority, I don't know that you should be recruiting other alumni. Um, I thought it was interesting. I don't know the legalities. I couldn't find anything about my sorority specifically regarding whether you can participate in MLM. But like ethically, I don't know that it was right of her to recruit me. Maybe if I wasn't a sister, but being a sister who just got out, I did feel like she totally caught me at my vulnerable spot. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely something that she totally took advantage of my story about leaving the sorority and was like, oh, I had a very similar experience with that too, but I have this sisterhood from It Works now and that's what kind of got me into it. And I don't know if I would have had like a waiting period to where I could not legally sign up for it works for like 48 hours. I wanted to have done it. Oh my gosh. Well, that brings me to, did, have you done your comment for the FTC yet? I have not done that. I'm working on working okay. on it. It's, it's, it's going to take me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a, uh, Michelle J- and, uh, somebody else was working with her. Uh, they just created a really great like comment crafter. Yeah, and- I saw that the document one. It's like a word doc, isn't it? Yeah, and it like ha- breaks it down into like all of these parts. Um, it seems really really cool. So I definitely encourage anyone to do that. It's at www.mlmchange.org, and you mm-hmm. have until May tenth uh, to get your comment done. So by the time this gets out there, we're definitely going to be in crunch time. So. <laughs> um um and as always like if anyone has any questions feel free to reach out to me you can find like it's easiest to talk to me on instagram but um my email is also in the show notes so if anyone's having any questions please feel free to reach out but yeah um that's a big thing that we're working towards right now is trying to get a waiting period because so many of us wouldn't have signed up if we had like time to think about it Yeah, yeah, it was definitely something where if I would have had that time, I feel like I would have like looked up it works quicker, you know what I mean, I would have been like, Oh, well, let me go home and look it up because I signed up while I was at work. I was nannying that day he was taking a nap. I was like, Oh, this is cool. You know what I mean? She messaged me about it. And it was $40 because of the promotional. 
Mm-hmm. And so I felt like if I would have had that waiting period, I would have went home that night and reviewed things and, you know, would have been like, eh, I don't want to anymore. But I, do, I felt like at that point I had already spent the money I have to, you know, at least try. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That waiting period, I think will change it for a lot of people. I think a lot of people will change their minds during even 48 hours. Right. I agree. I totally agree. It's like, um, it's like when you get bullied into doing like a timeshare or something, they try to make you make the decision right away in the room. You can't leave. And that's the same thing that they try to do with MLM. Uh, And like you said, they target people who are like going through it and they try to make it so that you're like looking for something and um so they're trying to make it sound like such a good thing because like why wouldn't you want to join why wouldn't you want to get more friends why wouldn't you want to get that great community that positive support in the community it's like (sighs) yeah 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 so what is your anti-mlmy um I would say my anti-mlmy is I, I just want to educate people on this before they get too deeply roped in. I mean, I know for me, like if I would have even just gone one month and, you know, quit, it would have been something that I lost a lot less money, but a lot of people are being brainwashed by their uplines and their teams and they don't, you know, they'll see anti-MLM content, but they don't click on it. And that's what I did for the longest time is I saw anti-MLM content and I didn't click on it. But with TikTok, especially, you can't not click on it. It's just there. So that was something that when I posted my TikToks, especially, I've been like, well, it's going to be on somebody's feed and they're not going to be able to ignore it unless they pause it and move on. Right, exactly. So that's why, especially, I've been posting anti-MLM on TikTok recently is because, yeah, I did do some on YouTube but I don't feel like I, at least when I was in the MLM, I looked at anti-MLM YouTube, but I didn't click it, yeah. you know what I mean? Cause I really felt like my upline was telling me the right stuff. So right. that makes total sense too. I know that like a lot of people do find, um, like their answers and stuff through YouTube, but I think that you have to have like broken through a certain, like mental barrier to be able to be like yeah I'm gonna watch that video because they do they brainwash you they tell you that like that's the wrong information so why would you waste your time watching an hour-long YouTube video on someone that just hates what you do yeah yeah absolutely versus a 30 second TikTok or a minute long or three minute long TikTok that just happens to be there yeah yeah absolutely yeah Um, so where can people find you if they want to see what you're doing? I am on YouTube. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. Um, they are all at Maddie Oglesby. There might be an underscore in the Instagram, um, but everything's linked from my TikTok. If you find me on TikTok, just look up Maddie Oglesby. Um, the spelling on that is O-G-L-E-S-B-Y. Uh, it's very hard to spell. So I am always asked on the phone, can you spell that for me? <laughs> wanted to put that out there. But yeah, that's kind of what I'm on. I haven't posted on YouTube in a while because I've been super busy. I'm almost done with my degree. I've got one more semester and one summer class. So that's awesome. Yes, I am in the home stretch. So it's exciting. It's exciting, but definitely been really busy. But TikTok's been a lot easier for me to respond to since 
it's a lot quicker for me to post videos on there. <laughs> and I think that it's so important that you as a college student are making this content because that is such a target audience. I know that when I was in, I was constantly told that I should recruit college kids. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I yeah, like, they I don't have I money. <laughs> I had a lot of people who said that they got recruited from their campuses, like they had co on campus, like vector marketing, and they'd recruit them off of campus. And I just can't believe universities allow that. But that just goes to show how many people at the approval level of the university don't know about MLMs or aren't educated enough to say no. Right, exactly. And, and I can't help but wonder, like, if they just don't know if they, or if they think it's a really good thing, because it sounds like, oh, this is a great opportunity for kids to Uh get money. Right. I do wonder if a lot of it is just because they don't know, which is crazy. Yeah, it's sad. All right, Maddie, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story. Thank you for inviting me on today. Yeah, I'm so glad that we were able to make it work. And, um, As always, if you guys are enjoying the episodes, please make sure that you leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to help people see um, the podcast. It does really help. And I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. Bye.